of a bitch. Welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends, that's me, and you, and you, gather to talk about video games. I am Chad Michael Innes, and that's Holden Christopher Adams DePardo. <laughs> that's me right here. And you're you, insert name. And that's why we love you. (laughs) Everyone, you're welcome to our podcast. I don't care whether you eat your own boogers, whether you wipe your butt with Charmin or Angel Soft. We all know there's a winner. It's Charmin. Charmin Ultra Soft. Don't get get fucking... Fucking... What's what's the thing where you're duped? Don't get duped by the marketing. There's ultra soft and ultra strong. They're obviously not going to make ultra soft weak. It's plenty <laughs> of toilet paper. To okay, have you ever done that thing where you're wiping your butt and then your middle finger tears through on accident and goes up your butthole? Yep. Well, it's up the butthole. I usually stop before it no, gets it goes there. up it's the butthole like... and then you pull it back out and then you accidentally like trip on the toilet <laughs> and it goes back in and then you take it back out and then you fall on your face on the toilet again. I think you just want to put your finger your up your butthole. That's okay. <laughs> you do you, Chad. <laughs> you are oh, allowed. Oh, preparation H feels good on the whole. <laughs> you know what I noticed? Hey, ev- hey, everyone, welcome. We talk about video games here. It's great. <laughs> Um, no, we talk about Charmin onto toilet paper and sticking our fingers up her butts. That's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. <laughs> I noticed that having my iPad so inside baseball, I have my iPad air playing now because I found my other Apple TV in a bag somewhere. Air playing to my other TV that's right in front of my face, but I have it in dark mode, which means that the Notes app does not provide a lot of light on my face. So when we inevitably release this video version in 2094... No, it's not going to be enough lighting unless I put it in light. See, watch this. Fuck, that's in dark mode too. Give me something light. It looks fine. It looks great. You look good. I look so. My audio good. levels seem. Ah, than there we go. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that right now. You have audio. I do have audio. Uh, no, I say the audio levels seem higher than than usual. Your audio levels. I, I don't know why, guys. Hi, I'm running off a few <laughs> hours of sleep. Uh, this is Chad's very sleepy. He's super we're going to talk about video games. I promise today. Uh, yeah, we've got some great fucking stuff for you. You guys like fucking unions? Well, fucking listen up, motherfuckers. We've got a main. Yeah, quest I got some all stuff about, to talk about unions. unions, and I know we've talked about it before, but there are new developments. And maybe our opinions will change. Maybe they won't. We'll see new surveys and decide. <laughs> we've also got things we've played. We've watched Blair Witch gameplay for the first time. Here is talk yeah. about all that and more on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but first, we're going to start today with a little jolly jaunt down the Microsoft Quest log. Talking about cloud partnerships... I'm going to put my fucking computer in do not disturb mode. Alana, I don't want to hear your email coming in. (laughs) Um, I haven't spoken to an Alana since eighth grade art class. Wow. There was an Alana and an Elena, and they both spelled their name the same way. One of them was a cute redheaded goth girl. I don't remember the other one, (laughs) but I remember her name. Oh, no, she was a tall blonde girl. She was very tall, but it was middle school. All the girls were taller than the boys. 
that does happen. Do you remember middle school or like me where you fucked up on glue in math? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was smoking lots of dope back then. Oh, I barely remember anything. Man, no. I'd sneak into the bathroom and smoke a big old doobie in the bathroom when oh, I was 12. Oh, big old doobie in the bathroom of Christopher <laughs> Adams Elementary. No, I did not huff glue and I did not do math in middle school. I just ate a lot of Domino's pizza and Pop-Tarts. Yeah, that hasn't changed for me. <laughs> uh, I hey, Pop-Tarts. I don't eat Pop-Tarts a lot. You don't eat don't Pop-Tarts really a lot? Do that. I don't. I, I don't. For, I like them. I just don't eat them that much. I can't buy them because they all get eaten in one day, no matter how many I buy. Whether it's one package or 94. They're all gone in one day. Oh, I have that with different treats outside of like ice cream. I can't have ice cream in the house because as soon as I get ice cream in the house, it's just gone. Oh my god, we went to Ghirardelli Square. Shut up. No, this Ooh. is for affable idiots. We're going to talk about this on affable idiots. Get out. <laughs> Microsoft cloud partnership quote all driven by Sony from Matthew Handrahan. Handrahan Handrahan from gamesindustry.biz. He says no, you says. <laughs> I said this. So I'll say this. I want to discuss this say because it. the story is a total nothing burger. It's Where a total does this nothing come burger. from? What is this nothing burger that you've written I here just and then like you said the ten times tonight? Burger. What is nothing burger? Nothing burger just means it's just nothing. It's a nothing burger. That Did you make that up? No, no, no. It's it's, it's definitely a Is it uh, from like Friends or Frasier or something? I don't know where it came from. I just know it's a phrase, and I like using the phrase. I don't think I've ever said it in the podcast, though. But lately, I, I have anyone's been ever said it. I, <laughs> I just looked up the definition. It says something that is or turns out to be insignificant or last lacking substance. The origin is 1950s from nothing and burger. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Those are the two Thank words you. nothing burger came from. That's yeah. surprising. That's the new Oxford um, American Dictionary right there. Yeah. So this story is going around. Um, the headline. First of all, this head. This is not the headline for all the stories I've seen, but it's kind of the trend I've seen is cloud partnership, quote, all driven by Sony. That's not what's happening. <laughs> That's not what Satya Nadella said. Actually, why not? let's not read the Satya Nadella no, quote because no, it doesn't make sense. No, we're going to read his quote. You know it why? Make... Because he doesn't speak in complete sentences and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I want, here's what I want. Your project, your hashtag mm-hmm. thanks for creating for this week, everyone, is to draw a picture of whatever it is that he's supposed to be talking about right here. <laughs> Whatever that means to you, visualize it, make it abstract, make it a self-portrait where you are reciting the words. Here's his quote. First of all, it's all driven by Sony. They looked at who are all their partners that they can trust. In fact, it turns out, even though we've competed, we've also partnered. Here's the big one. Here's the big one. You ready? Basically and fundamentally, the fact that we have a business model in the areas that they're partnering with us where we're dependent on their successes. Do you know what that sentence is? It's like when you... Uh, Daniel Newman and I used to do this. We would just start text conversations and only use the autofill suggestions. <laughs> That's what that is. I'm going to read that again for everyone. Basically and fundamentally, <laughs> the fact that we have a business model in the areas that they're partnering with us, where we're dependent on their successes. That's the complete sentence. Two dependent clauses, no independent clauses. So we will do the best job for them, whether it's in cloud or whether it's in AI or what have you, in order to make sure that Sony can succeed with their own IP creation. Yeah. 
there's nothing new in here that we didn't already know from the partnerships announcement, except for the fact that Sony came to Microsoft first. That's it. But to say that it's all being driven by Sony, no. Right. The cloud technology is very much driven by Microsoft, which is kind of the big deal here. We all just now know who wrote yeah. the will you go out with me, yes, no, maybe letter. <laughs> and it was Sony. Which is not surprising. And Microsoft Sony needs said, Microsoft more. maybe if you give us blank. What did they give them in return? Camera technology and just hardware smarts. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I mean, fucking great. Thanks, Microsoft. And a nothing burger quote. <laughs> nothing burger. It's awesome, okay? I just want to know where awesome. that came from. We know. From it came from the and... 50s and nothing I, and burger. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> hey, Sony Quest Log, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? We have new Ready at Dawn headquarters, HQ, as some would abbreviate it, and Studio opens its doors. Aiden Simmons at PlayStation Lifestyle quotes uh, reports this. Ready at Dawn is the creator of lots of Sony games. Yes. Including the PSP games for God of War. Um, Daxter. Daxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Order 1886. But they're not a, a Sony first-party studio. No. They have made a lot of VR games for Oculus lately. A lot that and... I that I want to play. Echo Arena and mm-hmm. Echo whatever the fuck it's called. The single-player experience. But they're Oculus exclusive. Yeah, so I saw an interesting exchange on Twitter between Ryan McCaffrey and Kyle Moriarty. Kyle Moriarty basically said, hmm, where did they get the money to do this? Because, you know, the last thing that they really released was Order 1886, which didn't do to that, that well. And VR games don't sell that well, at least enough yeah. to like help them buy a studio. So he says, is this maybe uh, one of the companies that Sony's looking to buy? as an exclusive partner mm. going to the next generation or something, something Sony already oh. announced. And then Ryan McCaffrey says, well, it's probably the Oculus money. And I think it's actually a combination of both. I think what it is is Sony says, hey, these are the guys to buy. They've worked with us in the past. They make good games. Or 1886 was kind of mixed. I understand. I haven't played it before myself. But I they think make it's good underrated. games. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard that a lot too. But they make those Oculus games. They know VR, which is pretty much a good asset for sony because they have psvr so it's kind of actually the perfect company for sony to buy and we read a I'm couple of my... weeks ago that sony is shopping yep i put my money down um i'm gonna piggyback up call moriarty here because he said it first but put money down on it i think this is a studio that they're gonna buy and we're gonna have an announcement about it not like very soon but at least like before ps5 comes out now to play devil's advocate mm-hmm. facebook is also looking to ranch ramp up their gaming efforts uh, mm-hmm. For Oculus as well. Could it be that they're getting that Facebook money and they're not getting anything from Sony anymore and they're just doing VR stuff? Because right now they're working on the sequel Who to knows? Echo Arena. It's true. Lone Echo. That's the fucking name of it. What's the name of the giant I should have known that considering I'm an Oculus rep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, Morgan, my little sister, got an Oculus Quest this weekend. Ooh. And she spent probably eight to ten hours in it taking it off only to charge it while she ate pizza and then yeah it's pretty awesome it's pretty great next story putting the ps4's 100 million sales in context from kyle orland from ars technica first of all yes the ps4 has sold over a hundred million consoles and yeah that's a significant milestone and everyone's like yeah but it's not gonna beat anything 
Let's take a look at a couple of little titty bits. Little bitty titty. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. So everyone knows the most successful home console of all time is the PS2 with 152 million or something like that. Somewhere around there, yeah. Uh, It took PS2 69 months (laughs) (laughs) to reach 100 million units. 69 months. (laughs) It took PS4 just 67 months. Look at that. Look I'll at it. You know it. what I said to that? I say, oh, oh, oh would you look at that? Uh, <laughs> just look at it. Just, oh, you see that right there? Just look at it. And then the Wii, which is also incredibly successful with 101, 102, something yeah, like that. out there. I can look uh, it up. took them 79 months to reach that milestone. The PlayStation 1 took 113 months. And the only thing that reached it quicker on this list is the Nintendo DS, which took 51 months. But that is a handheld system, which traditionally sells much better than the home console counterpart. Fucking get it, PS4. (laughs) You were right, 101. You were right. Dude, we're about to beat the Wii. We as PlayStation. You and I are PlayStation. We (laughs) We are Africa, just like Bono! That's from, um, that's not mine. That's, that's such the, a random reference. It's the Book of Mormon. <laughs> uh, yeah, fucking great. You know what's going to happen? PS5 is going to come out. They're going to say, by the way, just like Xbox, here's this cloud platform. You don't even need a PS5 to play all these PS5 games. You can also do it on PS4 via PS Now Plus Plus Plus. And then they're going to drop the price on that to 149 bucks. And then that thing's going to sell like gangbusters. And then boom. It's going to become the best-selling console of all time. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, um, maybe of all time, but it's doing really well for itself. No, it's going to be of all time, Alden. All right, fine. It will be of all time. Of old Agree to disagree. Time. Of but to agree time. as well. Speaking of all time and old people, they die. When they die, some people leave, they go to the sky. Hold on. Tell us <laughs> These about- are the facts of life. Tell us about the game Sky, where the old people go. That when they was die. the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Playtime, everybody, where we talk about what we played. And Holden played Sky, and I'm very interested to learn about your experience. Yeah, so Sky is from the creators of Journey, Flow, uh, that was that game company's their name, Jerome yep. Chen. And this game is very, very similar to Journey. It's basically Journey, but in the sky oh, and not in the desert. shit. I get it. Yeah. That's why it's called Sky. There's a very similar mechanic where you don't like journey. You can kind of like jump up in the air and kind of float around for a little while. But you had that like the ribbon that could tell you how long you can kind of glide for. And you had to collect these little like red particles that would give you the energy to fly. It has that whole same mechanic again. except you actually have a meter on the top of the screen instead of like the the long ribbon. Um, But you go find little yellow particles. They let you fly up. And you're basically just in this beautiful environment where you just kind of want to move around. And I think the most notable thing about it so far, because I'm not super far in it yet, is it's just so gorgeous. Holy crap. You're playing it on iPhone? It looks real pretty. Yeah, I'm playing it on an iPhone. Um, iPhone XR. So, you know, which, which processor it's running. And it looks, it just looks really, really solid. It's mostly art direction. Um, the clouds, once you get close to them, and the, at least when you get close to them, the ones in the distance can sometimes not look super great, but it's just really good looking. And for a game that basically uses a twin stick control, which I was kind of curious if the game is going to control, it uses touchscreen twin stick. Works great. It's actually some of the best twin stick controls I've ever used 
on a mobile game before, probably because it's much more passive game. It's not like games trying to shoehorn first-person shooters onto mobile, and it just never right. works. This works really, really well. I'm really enjoying it so far. If you like Journey, you kind of have to play it. It is coming to consoles later on. Uh, I think later on this year, maybe? He just said later on. So if you don't want to play on a mobile phone, hold out. Is it on but Apple it's really TV enjoyable. yet? Um, that I do not have an answer for. I know it was supposed to be. When they together. announced it at... It wasn't Dub Dub, but it was the Apple TV 4K reveal event. It was like, this is going to be a big deal because it's coming to Apple TV first. And then later, iPhone mm-hmm. and iPad. But I think maybe it's just iPhone and iPad now and then Apple TV later. Yep, no, it's on Apple TV right now. Oh, fuck yeah! Oh, wait a second. Oh, fuck Never no! Mind. Never mind. This is confusing. Hmm. I wonder how Here we go. Here's the official the... website. Okay, okay, okay. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me right now. Oh my gosh. I'd really be interested to see how that see twin stick shooter, not twin stick shooter, but twin stick control scheme works with an Apple TV remote. Yeah, so it's arriving now on iPhone and iPad, coming soon to Android, Mac OS, TV OS, PC, and console. So no, just just iPhone and iPad right now. Cool. Yeah, how are they going to make that work? Probably going to use a combination of the touchpad on the top and then motion, which kind of sounds... Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound too great. I don't know. And more curioso. And then I played a lot of threes this week. Fuck yeah, you did. Oh, oh yeah. man. Threes is a great game. Anyone who wants just a really good mobile game that's just perfect just to pick up for a few minutes and put down, it's Threes. Mm. It's glorious. You can pick it up, and then you can put it right back down. Yep. And then then you trip, and your middle finger goes further into your asshole. (laughs) I also started the... I actually didn't put this in the notes, but I also started the campaign for Titanfall. (laughs) I'm about... I completed three missions so far. Oh, why are you playing a- Titanfall? Because it's our barf game of the month. Backlog accomplishment, the respawn, mm-hmm. and friends. And if you want to hear our impressions of the game, tune in this weekend sometime. Question mark? <laughs> when we record <laughs> we're that. We're figuring out when we're going to talk about it. But yeah, it's it's a good campaign so far. I like it. How much did you How much did you play? Three missions. Three missions? Yeah. Out of like the, I think it was nine missions, so I'm a third through the game. That's a lot more than I played. Holy buttholes. <laughs> the missions are pretty short to be honest it's a very short campaign but i like it so far cool chad how much of progress we made in marvel ultimate Alliance okay. 3 thank you for asking this whole podcast is just me waiting for you to ask me that question <laughs> after we're done talking about it, you're just gonna leave and i'm just gonna I talk am. to myself for the remainder of the time um here's the thing <laughs> i played more ultimate alliance 3 and i played more beat saber i didn't play anything new this week but I have stories about both of them being broken and me being a fucking idiot for both. Let's start with Marvel at Ultimate Alliance 3. I played a lot more of this game. I am... I, I've got to be close to the end. For anyone who is... Like, I just got out of the dark dimension. For anyone who's playing it, I just got out of the dark dimension. I've got to be close. But I'm playing this game, and I thought... And my switch was broken. The right joy, the right Joy-Con. There's a there's a mechanic where you hold the right trigger, and it shows you four different moves you can do that are party based, like or you can they're synergy moves. So you can partner up with somebody to do a, a big attack. And then, but that's only while you're holding down the right trigger. And throughout this mission, in the dark dimension, it just started flickering on the screen. 
and I was like, God, what is going on? What's going on? Is the Joy-Con loose? And I was fixing it. And then I uh, switched out the Joy-Con for another one. Didn't work. It, same thing was happening. Fuck. All right. Maybe it's... And then I switched Weird. games, and the right trigger wasn't doing anything. I switched to Cuphead, where I, ha- where I remapped the right trigger to be shoot on Cuphead, and it wasn't doing anything. It's like, all right, maybe it's just the game. So I, I closed the software, opened it up. It was fine for a little bit, and then went back to doing it. And I was so frustrated. Now, normally I'd be able to make this work, except that the boss of this area... There's a mechanic where you have to pick up an item, charge it, and throw it at the boss. You can only pick up the, the item by pressing the A button, but when you're holding down the trigger, the A button is a move, and you're not allowed to pick up things. So I'm walking around, just like on the thing, hitting A over and over, smashing the trigger, trying to help it not be on, because I didn't know whether the button was stuck or what was going on. Holden, I did it. I beat this boss, which is already, I've read online, one of the hardest bosses in the game, with my controller freaking the fuck out, not being able to pick shit up. It was frustrating. It took me like an hour and a half to beat this boss. I wanted to throw it. I even, on my phone, started to open up a support ticket with Nintendo to get my Joy-Con repaired. <laughs> and, uh, and then I go to, to pair my pro controller. Oh, I brought my your pro controller sitting somewhere? So I, I'm, I'm on a road trip with my parents. Going. I'm on a road trip with my parents. <laughs> and I'm playing in the back of the car. I go to pair my Pro Controller. And I'm like, this has got to work better than the Joy-Con. And I go to the menu to where it says pair your controllers. And I notice it's already paired. And it's shaking. I'm like, what's going on? And I notice that it's been rattling around in my bag, <laughs> pressing the trigger. <laughs> and instead of it controlling player two, it just had two controllers for player one. And it was freaking the fuck out on it. That makes sense. I often want to play with two controllers myself, just as player one, it and just go back and forth. So frustrating. <laughs> I can't believe I did it, though. I beat this boss having not being able to do the main thing that you're supposed to be able to like the the shtick of this boss. That's the one mechanic that's new for this boss, and I couldn't do it. So I'm fucking great at this game. Fucking great. But I'm enjoying it. I uh, it's It's simple, and also... Deeply complex in its upgrade trees and all this kind of fun stuff at the same time. But it's, it's a button-mashing, character-collecting good time. I'm liking it a lot. And then we get to Beat Saber. Beat Saber released a new uh, set of three songs. They're a free update, um, and they are uh, they're in the extras part of Beat Saber. And if you don't know, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time or you're relatively new, I'm someone who was number four in the world on the leaderboards <laughs> on the Crab song in Beat Saber. And, you know, I ranked in like the top 10, top 15 of a lot of other songs. So I'm a good Beat Saber player. I go to play the one of the first songs in this. And, you know, when something new comes out, I immediately I'll jump in on Expert and I'll get like an A rank on my first try. And then I'll try, play it like two or three times on Expert to get an S rank before I move on to the next song. Jumping in this song on expert, I get a I start I start missing notes. I'm like, God, I'm hitting that one, and it's and it's just not it's not hitting it. And then I keep failing the song after like 30 seconds every time. I'm like, what is going on? So I try. All right, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna recalibrate. I'm gonna you know you can do the thing where you make the PSVR wands flash the colors, recalibrate. Tried that, same thing is happening. Like, man, why is it saying that I'm missing these notes? That's so crazy. Maybe it's the positioning of the camera. 
So I take the camera and I mount it up on my wall. It's now like seven feet in the air pointing down. I'm like, now I can see more of my body. Maybe I'm like ducking too low or something like that. Same thing's fucking happening. I'm like, this is, this is frustrating as shit. This is a new VR unit. This is new as of like six months ago. What the fuck is going on? And I got pissed. And I'm playing this game and I'm missing it. And I don't miss, let alone fail a song on Expert. And then Holden, I played the song on hard and I hit every note. And then I played the song on Expert and realized, no, I just sucked at that song. <gasps> I was just bad. Twist. I, had a beat sa- I go to the next song. You were terrible the bad. whole time. Yeah, the whole time. I literally spent like 20 minutes turning off the unit, unplugging it, letting the power discharge, like all of this stuff, thinking something's wrong with my VR. Turns out I just wasn't good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Chad. It's okay. You'll get it better. was so humbling. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I was like, I can't believe it. I come across a song. And then, so I, I'm like... May, I, there's no way I got bad at Beat Saber, and I went back and played one of my favorite songs, K pop or K pop stars from K whatever. Um, and I go back and play that song on Expert, and it's like, oh, this is incredibly easy. And it turns out that's just a much simpler song. So what used to be really really hard now is really easy for me. But it turns out they just made these songs just super super hard, and um, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> you need to be good. The game. I got to be good, but playing those three songs got me a little depressed. So I'm like, I'm gonna jump back into this Imagine Dragons pack, and I started playing those. And those are harder than the normal songs as well, but they're not impossible like the new ones. New ones aren't impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm just not as good at them yet. But I realized that Imagine Dragons and Beat Saber are perfect for each other. They are the perfect Beat Saber songs. I have heard of Imagine Dragons. Don't know who they are. Radio. Radio Whoa. Nope. Uh, 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 oh. nope. up. Nope. Just kidding. That sorry, that last part. That was all Fallout Boy. Uh <laughs> Imagine Dragons. Radioactive was the song for um oh. Bioshock Infinite. It was the song that they used in all the trailers for Bioshock Infinite. Okay, I guess I remember that. <laughs> I don't know any of the words. Otherwise I would sing them for you. I don't know the words of radioactive. <laughs> but anyway. They're fucking perfect together. I'm not a huge Imagine Dragons fan, um, <clears throat> but they're great. Um, I forgot to mention a game I started. I played a half hour of this game. Puzzle Quest. No. You'll be happy. Marvel Puzzle Quest. Marvel's closer. Spider-Man? I played the like, first half hour of Spider-Man. Spider-Man! I'm really bad at swinging in the webs. <laughs> I'm really bad <laughs> at it. It's definitely something you got to learn and kind of pick up a little bit and kind of learn the timing of it and all that stuff. Um, but it's very fluid. The combat is super fluid and fun. I love when you go to dodge and then you end up like going under in, in between a guy's legs and then you kick him from behind. like mm-hmm. Little things like that where it's like, I didn't really do that technically. The game kind of decided what animation was going to work the best in that moment. But damn, that was satisfying and cool. Yeah. Did you ever... So I'm, I'm, did you ever like slide between his legs and then kick him from behind and then your middle toe goes up his butthole? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Spider Man has to stop for a second to clean the poop off of his foot. Yeah. Yeah. That's this guy great. his pants when your Spider Man is kicking his ass, because who wouldn't? Yeah. Have you fought Kingpin yet? No, but I'm in that building right now. 
don't get discouraged. Kingpin is a fucking hard fight. Like, right off the bat, you're like, why is this so hard? But then the rest <laughs> of the game, you're like, oh, I understand the fighting mechanics now. I pretty much get the mechanics. It's really just look out for um, his Spidey Sense animation around his, or kind of graphic around his head. Yeah. And just hit circle whenever you see that. And then just combo between hit and square. And if guys are a distance, hit that triangle button. Um, and then you use the R and L to interact with the environment and grab stuff and hit peoples with it. Yeah. I'll hit give you a tip. Guys. Stay in yeah. the... The whole thing is... The whole combat system is designed around trying to keep you in the air. You are best, most okay. mobile, and most effective when you are in the air. So keep that in mind. Did not know that. People. Did not know that yet. Yeah. I hadn't pieced that together yet. I've been on the ground just standing there. Yeah. So, Which is not very Spider-Man. It's more Spider-Man-like to be jumping all over the place. So you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. Web zip up something, grab a motherfucker, throw him around, jump from one guy to the next, eat a bagel. Mm-hmm. He's from New York. <laughs> Let's move to our quest log. Let's do it. We've talked about nothing forever. A whole lot of nothing burger this episode. Nothing burger. Did, did you know that stems in the 50s from the term nothing and burger? Who would have thunk it? Cooter burger. I ate a burger <laughs> one time. Burger Name that show. Meister burger. Uh, don't know it. What is it? That was 30 Rock. Matthew Broderick. He was George W. Bush's assistant. <laughs> And oh, he gave yeah. him the nickname Cooter Burger <laughs> because he had a hamburger I... once. I'm going to go through the fetch quest. A lot of fetch quests right now. So starting off with Concrete Genie, which is that PS4 uh, exclusive game, is uh, got a release date and a photo mode was announced. This is from Jonathan uh, Dornbush at AGN. It's coming October 8th. It'll be $30 and $40 for the digital deluxe edition. That's surprising. This is exciting. Yeah, I guess. I don't $30? Really, I, I kind of I mean, forgot about the game. But it's like, I mean, it looks like a $30 game to me, personally, but it's a first-party PlayStation game <coughs> coming yeah, out. Yeah, I guess. Bucks. I mean, I, it is a, I don't know. The price isn't that strange. I mean, Nintendo's uh, has done the same thing in some of their games. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is only 40 bucks. Yeah, yeah. For example, it happens. It happens. Um, this one's super exciting, and it's making me question so many things. Outer Worlds, Obsidian's open-world RPG, is coming to Switch. This will be, quote, following the launch of other platforms. The Outer Worlds become to Nintendo Switch. That's the, the quote that they released. Um, and then also, Virtuous is the developer handling the port. They also did the L.A. Noir and Dark Souls ports for Switch, which are actually really good ports. So or so we I heard. Have... Neither of us have that? played them. Hmm? Or so we heard, because neither of us have played them. No, I played the Dark Souls on Switch. I didn't you play did. the whole game. Not the whole game, you but I played at least like five five hours of it. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm like, shit, I really wanted to play this game this fall. I'm just going to wait now because I'd rather play this on Switch. This is the definition of, oh, man, I wish this, this RPG was on Switch so I could play it there instead. And it's happening. So super pumped about that. This one is not the Xbox exclusive one. No, this is the one from the guys who made Fallout um, uh, New Vegas. Gotcha. And it was previously only coming to Xbox and PS4. Now coming to Switch. And PC. And PC. Now well, of course, it's coming to PC. Fucking, of course. Yeah. I just like it because you can make... There's a dumb dialogue option. <laughs> so you could just have your character say dumb things all the time. It just sounds like it's going to be kind of cheeky and fun. Nice. Um, speaking of Obsidian... Uh, there are Obsidian's original Pillars of Eternity is also coming to Switch this August. That's going to include all the DLC. It's coming August 8th, which is like basically next week, and it's $50. I always get that confused with one of our 
one of our lifelong friends is playing it. it uh, Divinity. Somebody's playing Divinity. Yeah, I think it's the same developer. I is think. it? I always get no, those it's two not. games. It's confused. definitely not, and I'm just an idiot, and I just said that. Let's find out together. <laughs> What's here? I'll look up Divinity: Original Sin, and you look up Pillars okay. of Eternity, and then we'll just show each other the screenshots in the camera, and it'll be great audio <laughs> content. <laughs> Divinity: Original Sin Two. This is the one somebody's playing. Yeah, it's supposed to be very good. Role-playing game developed and published by Larian Studios. The sequel to Divinity: Original Sin. It was released for Microsoft Windows in 2017. For PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah, this is... Uh, Pillars of Eternity is made, like, as we already knew, by Obsidian. So, not the same. <gasps> not the same developer. When did it come out? I'd, I'd already left the screen. It comes out October... August. I mean, it comes out August 8th for Nintendo Switch. That's when it comes out. Uh, is it, it's already out. Is it a strategy? Oh, no. It was... That's... It's an RPG. It's It's similar to Baldur's Gate. I remember people saying the best RPG since Baldur's Gate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So Speaking of back, the best so RPG since Baldur's Gate, we got some now. Blair Witch gameplay in a trailer that was revealed. Nothing to do and with Baldur's Gate. <laughs> that has everything to do with Baldur's Gate. There's a, a dog, and you can tell the dog what to do. You can tell him to sniff stuff. Yeah. In Baldur's Gate and in Blair Witch. You get a, a cell phone that sometimes has reception. Gate. Yep. Um, when you fight Drizzt or Erden in Baldur's Gate, you get a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the gameplay looked pretty good. I Here's the thing. I'm Uh-oh. not a fan of spoopy games. Spoopy games? Spoopy games where you don't have... Is that a spooky game that makes you poop your pants? Is that yes. what it is? Yeah. It's a spoopy it's, game? It's okay. a spoopy game. A I'm not game. a fan of spoopy games that don't give you something to fight back with. Oh, see, yeah, see. Like Outlast? <laughs> Or Amnesia. We didn't like Amnesia. Or Amnesia. Like, I can play Resident Evil because I have a gun to shoot at the spoopy things. But mm-hmm. if I'm if my whole mechanic is literally just, like, avoid and hide and run, that's just... <laughs> it's too terrifying to me. Sure. Uh, I think that works really well for Blair Witch, though, because that's how the, the movies are. I know. I know. But I don't know if I'm going to play it now because of it. I mean, obviously, you're not well, going to go out there with an AK-47 and shoot at a witch in the woods. <laughs> Dying Light 2 will also be available on next generation consoles. This is not a rumor. Ooh, this is a, Switch Lite? This is confirmed. Switch Lite. <laughs> <laughs> Techland always has an eye on the latest new toys. Be more specific? Yes. The plan since the beginning of production has been to make Dying Light 2 a cross generation title. We did it! <laughs> Can confirm. Uh, so, yeah, this is not surprising. We're, I'm sure we're going to see a ton of these. Yeah, but it's the first one we've seen outside of Halo Infinite. This is the first, yeah. you know, uh, uh, third-party game we, we've heard it get announced this. We still don't um, know, though, how games are going to handle. Do you buy one and get the other? Is it an upgrade price like it was for Diablo and a bunch of other games? Who knows? Yeah. Super Mario Maker 2 course upload limit has been increased to 64. Oh! Very nice. And Nintendo has confirmed there'll be one more increase. So maybe we'll get up to that 100. Infinity. Be, uh, we're at. Infinity. Infinite. It really just should be as many as you want. Or a limit per day of how many you can upload per day or something like that. Nine. They're going to increase it from 64 to nine. <laughs> Media Molecules looking to contract Dreams creators for official <laughs> development. 
Sorry. I said contract. You said contract, and that made it seem like dreams creators are an yeah. STD. Contract. Going to contract. Different things. Um, interesting choice. That's actually kind of clever on their part. Yeah. Take all those. It's basically like, hey, you create cool Mario Maker levels. How about you come make a Mario game? Now it's like, hey, you cool. You create cool dreams content. How about you officially develop stuff for us? Yeah. Speaking of hiring developers, Xbox Studios hiring former God of War and Naughty Dog developers uh, for uh, the initiative. Their Neil Druckmann? They made. Neil Druckmann, that's right. He just <laughs> left Last of Us Part Two. He's like, fuck it. No, it's probably <laughs> like now. the person who got people coffee is now getting coffee for the initiative. But because they... I'm <laughs> they still kidding. don't have employees there yet, just people to give out coffee. That's it. <laughs> people bring coffee to empty desks and leave it there, and it's just like rotting yeah. styrofoam cups. They have a mailroom already staffed with no mail coming in because there's no one to give mail to yet. <laughs> Pepe Sylvia! There's no Pepe Sylvia! Pepe Sylvia does not exist! <laughs> um, I think this is obvious. This is kind of like why they opened that studio in... that. Where, what area is it? In San Francisco? No, they are in San Diego? Wherever they are, they put it in an area where those studios were already at... Because they basically wanted to get the same talent that was in that area. Seems. Santa Monica. Santa Monica. That makes sense because, you know, the God of War studio is called Santa Monica Studios. Yeah. We're with it tonight. We yeah. are with yeah. it. There are just so many Santas <laughs> and Sands in California. Yep. It's true. There really are. <laughs> Every town is just Santa Clara, something or Santa. Santa Clarita, San Jose, San or Diego, Los. San Carlos. San Francisco. San Jose. They, I already said that one, yeah. Okay. So did you say San Santa Francisco Monica. yet? Yeah, I said San Francisco. Do what you about Santa Monica? Yeah, I said that one. No, you no. know what I didn't say, though? Epic Games Store rolling out Cloud Save for select titles from Clay- Charlie Hall at Polygon. Um, so this is a feature people have been asking for. And he says, Tim Sweeney says, Cloud Saves are enabled for a couple of new games right now. We have a bit more work to do before rolling it out more widely. If you're playing, and Moonlight, he literally meant a couple games, yeah. literally two, Moonlighter, Moonlighter War of and Mine. This War of Mine. In Jinx, in stereo, you guys just heard that. I mean, it will line up for them because to us it lined up. We'll line up to everybody else. So there'll be a little bit of delay over it. Who know. knows? In Spanish, who knows? En stereo. <laughs> <laughs> in more epic game news, Alan Wake and For Honor will be the free will be free next week on Epic Game Store. Um, they'll be available from August 2nd to August 9th. I want to play Alan Wake. I've always wanted to play that game. You might have an opportunity now that Remedy is is branching out. Mm-hmm. It, we might see Alan Wake come to uh, fucking goddamn PlayStation. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to our third-party quest log now. One party, two parties. We're going to have a third party afterwards. And that third party will be with Hitman, and maybe it's third installation. Uh, So IO Interactive, we have a couple of stories here. IO Interactive is looking ahead to a new Hitman game. May have something new in store, too. This comes from Eric Van Allen, a U.S. gamer, gamer who is reporting on Danny O'Dwyer's newest no-clip. It was released called The Fall and Rise of Hitman. If you aren't familiar, Danny O'Dwyer does really cool documentaries on YouTube. Go check them out. Uh, in that, it was hinted that towards the end that uh, Hitman, the new IP as well as Hitman 3 are in development. Notably, Hitman 3 would continue its episodic structure. But wait! <gasps> Hitman 3 is Twist. not currently in development. IO may have a new IP plan. So basically, O'Dwyer comes out on Twitter and says, for the record, our doc never said Hitman 3 was in development, only that it was planned. 
and they were considering the episode episodic model for it. The only thing confirmed was that some of the Copenhagen studio was working on a new project with sounds like a new IP. Holden, does that tickle your gooch? Um, I'm curious what they would do with the new IP. I want Hitman 3, but here's the thing, is I just still have never found time to play Hitman 2 yet. I own it, I have it, mm-hmm. I just need to play it, I really want to play it, but I haven't done it. And it's I'm just, a huge disappointment to myself for that. Well, it's just because you're notoriously just like, you hate Hitman. <laughs> I love Hitman. Hitman's a great franchise, it's a ton of fun. Great, great stealth franchise. Tons of fun. Never heard you play Very it creative. Um, would you be, how would you feel about them going back to an episodic nature? I liked that because I could really focus on just one level and dedicate my time to that one level Mm -hmm. and not feel like, oh my gosh, I need to go to the next one now. I need to go to the next one now. I need to go to the next one now. I could just take my time and focus. And part of what makes it man games really good is learning the level and learning the layout of the level to your advantage as you're trying to get your hits in that level. So, I actually would like that return, but I would like it so that, just like in Hitman 1, you can buy it $60 at the very beginning and just know you're going to get all the episodes. I wouldn't want to pay individually per episode, or being forced into that at least. But they haven't done it before, so I don't think they'd do that um, for the for the third game. If they make a third game, which, let's face it, they, they definitely will. Will it? Did Hitman 2 sell well? Um, I'm pretty sure it did well enough, because didn't, I can't remember the timeline of events. They broke off of Square Enix, and Square Enix gave them the Hitman IP. I don't think they gave them the Hitman IP to say, hey, don't make any more games in this franchise anymore. <laughs> but I don't know Stop if that came games. before or after Hitman 2. I can't remember. Cannot remember. However, I am excited about this next story. Can you uh, remember when you first played Doom in September? Classic Doom, Doom 2, and 3... Look like they're coming to the Nintendo Nintendo Switch today. Brackets update. Parentheses. Eric Van Allen, comma U.S. gamer. Close parentheses. Period. Not underlined. I don't know why that period's always on there. It doesn't make any sense. I didn't type that period in. It just happens whenever you add in a hyperlink. Super weird. Apple Notes. Fix it. Oh, dude. How about you go to apple.com/feedback? I can do that. But I should also just listen to this podcast and know what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um yes doom doom 2 and doom 3 are on switch they are coming to ps4 and xbox as well and doom and doom 2 are also on mobile Did i'm gonna you... buy doom 3 are you yeah i i, I want to play doom 3 i realized a few weeks ago that i had mentioned that i i've never seriously played a doom game like more than 20 30 minutes of a doom game and i realized well, that's that was gonna a change lie. next month it is gonna change next month because we're playing doom <laughs> for next month's bar if you guys voted on patreon.com slash respawn aim fire and we are playing doom 2016 next month yeah we Hold are on to your butts but then after hearing this news that this came out i was like wait a minute i did play doom 3 i had doom 3 on pc way back when when i had an e-machines pc bitch <laughs> And that game was gorgeous and terrifying. I remember <laughs> we had our computer in the living room. We had a desk with a big-ass computer next to the TV. And I remember playing it, everyone else watching some movie, and I'm sitting there on the computer playing it with headphones in and, like, screaming in the middle of whatever they were watching <laughs> because a giant, whatever the fuck, alien. I don't even know. What are they? They're demons. That's what they are. They're not aliens. They're demons. Yes. 
So I'm kind of excited to maybe go and play three again. Doom and Doom 2 are more of like a novelty. Oh, I'll jump in there for four seconds and realize that I hate how this controls and I'm bad at it and I die immediately. <laughs> but Doom 3, I might actually go back and play. But probably you won't. You know, actually, I have some nostalgia for Doom 2. I just, I just remember this now. Um, back in, I want to say high school when I was in Rhode Island, so it was freshman year, we had a computer class we would go to, and the teacher was clueless and didn't really do anything. Um, at least, I don't remember him doing anything because we all just played Doom by connecting all the PCs together, basically, nice. and running in class. He couldn't see it, so we just played Doom, and that was that was a blast. I sucked. I was terrible, but it was good. It was a good time. And it was good. Uh, Doom 64 uh, may also maybe be heading to modern consoles. Huh? Uh, Peggy ratings board uh, lists Doom 64 for PlayStation 4 and PC. All the other three Doom games we just talked about, they leaked earlier the same way, saying they're going to be just for PC and PS4, and then obviously came to other consoles. So seems pretty likely. Also be kind of odd if Doom 64 for, you know, the Nintendo 64 didn't come to a Nintendo system and instead came only to PlayStation 4 and PC. That'd be kind of strange. You know what I find odd, though? Like, they had QuakeCon. Yeah. They announced Doom, Doom 2, and Doom 3 at QuakeCon. Why wouldn't they announce Doom 64 at the same time? Development stuff. So dumb. Greed, evilness. (laughs) Let's go to the mall and Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) That was just a random reference. You feel random references too. Yeah. How I met your I got that one though. I understood that reference. Favorite show, so I'll never forget it. How I Met Your Mother. I like the way the show ended. Everyone's upset about it. I thought it was a good ending. I don't know. I'm I have a the hots for Robin Shabatsky. So Yeah. Um Yeah, she's great. L- Little Blip was why I think that was such a great ending. Really quick, two seconds. Yeah. Spoiler, by the way, for the end of it. For the end of How um, I Met Your Mother. Oh, ah! uh, Robin ends up being the mom. And I think what's yeah. so funny about that is what a Ted thing to do to go on this super long tangent, like unbelievably long tangent about how, like, is it Robin? Robin's the mom? No, 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 no. He's, they're not the mom. I'm going to get there. You have to hear the whole story. And he goes on for like nine years about the story. Then, okay, yeah, all right. You were right at the very beginning. It was Robin. God. Just a very Ted thing to do. Fucking Mosby. That was very funny. Speaking Ted of Ted Mosby, Mosby, Ted Mosby's probably one of the fans that are trying to get Nintendo to remaster Paper Mario, <laughs> the thousand-year door, coming from Suriel Vasquez at Game Informer. Suriel's name kind of sounds like if uh, <laughs> Cleveland from Family Guy was talking about the Serial podcast. Have y'all listened to Surreal before? <laughs> anyway, sorry. YouTuber Arlo made a call to action and a Change.org petition to get Nintendo to make the remaster. Change.org should just become... It's its a laughing stock. Really That's where everyone goes. The Game of Thrones ending petition was there. It's so stupid. I think there was a petition on there to get... Was it on Change.org? To get the White House to invest in making a Death Star. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if it gets over a certain amount, like they have to respond to it and... Yeah. Oh, so stupid. Anyway, there's the hashtag remaster thousand year door. And in 2016, during an interview promoting Paper Mario Color Splash, which I totally forgot was even a thing, so obviously it, it made a splash in the gaming community. <sighs> oh, Nintendo good one. suggested that if it were enough, if there were enough interest, they'd look into making a remaster. Have you played a Paper Mario game before? 
I have not, but I've heard this one's very good, and if it was remastered, I would play it. I take that back. I played Sticker Star for, like, a good few hours, and then said, this is really great, and then never played it again. Um, you've played a little bit of Paper Mario, which is the spiritual predecessor to... Sorry, uh, you've played a little bit of Super Mario RPG, which is a spiritual pe- predecessor yes. to Paper Mario. And yes. I've played... I did basically the same thing with Paper Mario, where I was like, man, this is really great. I'm going to play six hours of it. And then I never played anything after that. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember why I stopped playing it. Probably it had horrific offensive imagery in it. <laughs> you know, those Nintendos, so controversial. Yeah. <laughs> Always pushing the boundaries of what's acceptable. Speaking of pushing boundaries, 10 incredible years. Nintendo's lead localization <laughs> producer leaves the treehouse after 10 incredible years, pushing the boundary of how long you can work at a company. This comes from Liam, Doul- Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Eric Smith, what a generic white guy name, helped lead the localization <laughs> of Paper Mario colon Color Splash. He's also not white, which is really funny. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's not. Super Mario Maker 2, Luigi's Mansion, Dark Moon, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, today announced in a uh, and a thread on Twitter, his departure, as he showed support for hashtag remaster thousand year door. This is the second person who's left Nintendo Treehouse this year. Oh, I forgot her last name, but Sam left this year as well. Rockwell. And I liked both. <laughs> yes, Sam Rockwell of Nintendo yeah. Treehouse. Um, she was really good. Sam Rockwell, she was really good. And Eric Smith were really great. I liked their presence uh, in Nintendo Treehouse. I'm upset to see them go, but I hope that they go and do great things. You know what they're going to do. They're going to what join a third-party company to hashtag remaster Thousand Year Door. <laughs> and then we got a bunch of shit about Nintendo Joy-Con Drift. We talked about this last week or two weeks ago. Don't remember. Last Time's week, flat yeah. Circle. Nintendo responds to sufferers <laughs> of Joy-Con Drift from Gita Jackson at Kotaku. We read her original article about it being drifty in here. Drafty. In a statement to, at, to Kotaku, Nintendo said, At Nintendo... We take great pride in creating quality products, and we are continuously making improvements to them. We are aware of recent reports that some Joy-Con controllers are not responding correctly. We want our consumers to have fun with Nintendo Switch, and if anything falls short of that goal, we always encourage them to visit http colon slash slash support.nintendo.com so we can help. Um, What's interesting to note is that the support page now links directly to the um, support ticket for it instead of the regular troubleshooting guide. Like, have you turned off your console and turned it back on? However, it doesn't look like that is everywhere. Um, oh, sorry. The, the, so the there's a new internal memo that is apparently leaked that says their policy is to repair all Joy-Cons who have drift for free. Don't worry about proof of purchase. And if somebody says that they had uh, Joy-Con drift, believe them and just do it. Mm-hmm. That's what apparently the internal leaked memo says. However, it doesn't look like that's happening everywhere. Like the UK. Nintendo UK won't fix Switch Joy-Con drift issues for free, says Liam Dillon again from Nintendo Life. From chat transcripts from customers that show that free repairs or refunds have not been provided yet. And that they are still suggesting the same troubleshooting steps that Nintendo of America used to link to. And so far, the Netherlands is the only region of the EU offering free repairs and refunds. However, Latin America is playing nice with the Joy-Con drift repairs as well. Interesting to note that where there's legislation happening (laughs) and civil lawsuits, uh, or class action lawsuits, that they're doing this all for free. 
But in how places where they might not have class action lawsuits, they're not necessarily taking those steps yet. Funny how companies do that. Isn't it funny? <laughs> this feeling inside. Yeah, I think they have to do it if it's as big of a problem. I mean, every survey I've seen online says at least half of the people that are being surveyed are having yeah. a problem. It's so much bigger than I thought. I mean, I had I have, it for I a haven't, few hours. Yeah, I haven't had it either, but yeah. But wasn't... we're not everyone, Chad. I had it for a few hours, except for it was my right shoulder button. <laughs> and that was your fault. <laughs> it was Joy-Con drift, damn it. <laughs> yeah, good for Nintendo for <laughs> coming to class action lawsuits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh we're going to do our main quest, which is going to be the unionization ah blah, the unionization discussion continues. Um last year um, I, kind of before the whole kind of funny thing. So I don't even know how many people that currently listen remember talking us talking about this. We talked about the whole union issue in the aftermath of uh, Rockstar and their crunch issues, their hundred-hour work weeks, all that right. shenanigans. Um, and a new story came out about Naughty Dog that we want to run through. And then I just kind of want to return to that unionization conversation and kind of ask the question of: Is unionization the answer? to the problem because i think we can all agree that crunch is an issue i think no one's going to contest that i would hope because <laughs> i would really hope. Razor, raisin brand raisin brand shut up raisin brand crunch there you go <laughs> way to fuck up a joke me so former employees tell naughty dog crunch horror stories this is from joseph yaden at playstation lifestyle so a few naughty dog employees and contractors came out and spoke about the working conditions there we're going to break this down by full-time employees contractors as well as qa testers so starting with the full-time employees they said that there's no mandatory crunch but there's a significant amount of peer pressure peer pressure comes from having a brilliant team talented dedicated people working hard on a project together so basically you just want to work harder because you feel that pressure coming from management, but no one's telling you you have to, but you feel like you have to. This is a very common uh, thread that you see in a lot of these stories is that it's not necessarily that management is saying you have to work these hours specifically for full-time employees. We'll get to some mandatory crunch in a second, but they just feel the pressure too because, again, you're working with people that are so passionate about the project, you want to match that passion. Um, no one at the company says how many hours you must work. However, the workload and deadlines make it impossible not to crunch. And if you don't hit those goals, you're going to be terminated. Which is a pretty good threat to keep you working. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you, again, care about the project. So that's what's happening with full-time employees. Um, contractors usually have it a lot worse. So contractors, this is disturbing, are only getting paid minimum wage, which entices them to work overtime to make ends meet. Uh, they usually work 60 to 80 hours on average per week. And on the home run stretch for The Last of Us, they had 100-hour work weeks. That's insane. First of all, no one in the games industry that's working as a contractor should be getting paid. Anyone working in the game industry should not be getting paid minimum wage. It's I don't just, think that's... anyone should be getting paid minimum wage, but... Well, there's always going to be a, a lower, the lowest wage. So there's always going to be minimum wage. Okay, no one should be getting paid seven twenty five an hour, which is the federal minimum wage. In California, I bet it's probably higher though. Oh right, individual cities and states have their own minimum wages, but the federal minimum yeah. wage is too low. Oh for yeah, seven twenty five an hour. It's yeah, no one can survive. I actually, I think there's actually uh, the guy who made Super Size Me made a little documentary for a TV show where he lived on minimum wage for thirty days. He's just like, this is undoable. You just you just can't do it. Yep, it's disturbing. Anyway, so yeah, so they're working horrible hours and they're getting paid garbage wages for it 
while full-time employees get treated way better than them. It's just, it's a horrible situation. And then QA testers, this is the worst. Overtime was required for Uncharted 4. Their normal workday is 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So imagine having to work in... 12-hour shift is like the normal shift. I know nurses have to do that, but that's a different thing than making video games. Yeah. And then sometimes they have to stay as late as 1 a.m. Even some full 24-hour days were required when finishing up Uncharted 4. Just people don't know what QA testing is. It's quality assurance testing. That's basically just to test the game out and fix and report any bugs that they see in the game. And they're literally just playing the game, not to play the game, but doing things like run up against every single rock and see if you fall through it. Run up to the walls and just make sure that there's no issues with the barriers in the game. Just ridiculous. Not It's important, but it's just really monotonous stuff. Can I ask for clarification on something? Yeah. So right now, obviously, I'm reading your notes. Thank you very much for taking notes and, and pulling out the most important stuff. It says no overtime required for Uncharted 4. So like it was required that you work overtime. Were the 24-hour days, was it, like, required that you work 24 hours, or was it, if you don't work 24 hours? Let's look at the story. I don't remember the story being that specific. I feel like it's illegal a for an employer to ask you to work for 24 hours straight. No, I, I yeah, I believe that. Is, it's not even, maybe, it is illegal. You cannot <laughs> ask an employee to work that much. Um, But I do understand, like, the incentive being there and, and saying... Well, we have a game to ship, and you have a job and a responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that find on this page feature and look up 24. Oh, yeah. That's going to help me find it really quickly. Find on this page. Hell, yeah. All right. And it just found Jack Bauer. Here is the full quote. A normal work week for us was 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., six days a week, and we didn't really have any choice about it. Sometimes we'd stay until midnight or 1 a.m. At the end of Uncharted 4, we started doing seven-day work weeks for a little while and even did some 24-hour shifts where we'd come in at 10 a.m. and leave um, at 10 a.m. the next day. I didn't really have a life outside of uh, work for eight to nine months during that big crunch. Eight to nine months. Yeah, that's an extremely Whoa. long duration for, for a crunch. That might have been intermittent, like on and off crunch during that uh, eight to nine months would be my guess. Um, otherwise, I think these employees would just be dead. <laughs> There's just no way that <laughs> yeah that anyone could work that much. Um, yeah, this is here's the thing: is like when you hear these uni- these um, crunch stories, it usually comes from the developers that make the best games. Yep, it's like this is like it because it takes a level of work. And that's just really, it's unfortunate because I can't wait for Last of Us Part 2 to come out. But to know that it was made under those kind of conditions is not not a great thought. Yeah. How do you feel, Chad? Do you love when workers work overtime for your benefit? I kind of do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we've waited for fucking cyberpunk forever. We've waited, we can wait longer for these games. Mm-hmm. Just fucking take the time. Yeah, I agree. Just take the time. I don't need. To, it's I really don't important. Need it that soon, you guys. I understand your investors are greedy Wall Street people, and they need it this quarter for this financial report. But I don't need it. I think Naughty Dog's probably doing well enough that they don't have to resort to that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and so let's transition to hold the whole unionization thing. So I'll read what I wrote here. Last year, Chad and I discussed the unionization in the aftermath of the Red Dread Redemption 2 crunch. At the time, I said unionization wasn't necessary because workers have a voice through the video games community, including journalists. Um, Basically, what I mean there is just that you think about coal miners and situations like that where unions are important because there's no 
industry, there's no group of people who collectively care about coal miners the way that people collectively care about video game developers. You don't have coal miner journalists out there who dedicate to journalism just for coal miners. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. Video games are unique in that way. And last year, I was able to pull up information um, from the independent, sorry, the independent, the International Game Developer Association, which showed that there was a significant downward trend in crunch from 2004 to 2014. Um, they went from developers who had to work during crunch periods over 60 hours, but less than 80 hours, was at 67 percent. By uh, that was in 2004, 2009 it went down to 52%, and in 2014 it went down to 36%. So this is a huge drop off in in a 10 year period. Um, over 80 hours is basically the same, like between 10 and 15% of people. But that's again, I think some people are going to want to work those hours because they care so much the project. You can't really stop them from doing that. But we'll actually return to that idea because there's one company who has stopped that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One thing I, f- I was looking at the data a little bit more, and one thing I found is that from 2015 to 2017, the IGDA changed how they do their surveys. So they no longer break crunch time down by weeks in a row, which is kind of making it impossible to determine if crunch happens in shorter or longer periods than before. It could have gotten better in terms of, yeah, you're working crunch, but we're only crunching for one week, whereas we used to be crunching for three months. Like We don't know what that, that range is anymore. And again, the data that I had from 2004 to 2014 from these people um, showed that it had dropped off uh, the, the crunch time, uh, the duration of crunch time in terms of how many weeks shrunk by a lot in that that 10-year time frame so i really do want to see that data because that's an important piece to the story i think um the time frame also went down so it used to be 80 plus hours they calculated now it just shows 70 plus so again does that mean that there's less time in terms of hours per week being done for crunch time as well like the maximum is not really quite as high as it used to be like i'd like to know that they also no longer show the charts comparing hours worked in regular periods and crunch periods they have like a sentence that explains it but they used to have straight up bar graphs that showed you the difference and again this is an important distinction as to who's participating in crunch was it full-time part-time or contracted workers you could see that in in those charts and then lastly there's no data for 2018 and nor do they have the surveys for 2004 and 2009 up anymore I had to go to a hmm. YouTube video um, to find that information from uh, GDC, the GDC YouTube channel where the IGDA discuss unionization. So it's kind of gotten a little hard to find some of that information, but I think that I still am excited to see what the 2019 survey says. That's probably going to come out in, uh, in September, so a little over a month, maybe a month and a half or so. So the numbers have gotten better over time. And again, I think that's because... We care, the, the you know as you can say, we're, people have to say that gamers are so passionate they can be really mean and aggressive and negative sometimes. But it also means that we're putting pressure on these companies to do better, and I think those numbers show that that is the case. So that's good. I do have data, however, from 2015 to 2017 that kind of shows that in 2015, 2016, it kind of was stagnant. Um, but then it went down again in 2017. Um, I, I have too much data there <laughs> to be entertaining to listen to. So take my word on it. If you have tweet at me, if you want to see the numbers. Um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about some 
other trends in the industry that I think would really make unionization difficult. For starters, when a, a company unionizes, they generally have to put more money into their employees because of standards set by that union. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And to be clear as well, I'm not anti-union. I'm very pro-union. I just think this is a unique case. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, so, okay. So you have to pay more money to your employees because you might have different incentives. You might have different benefits to the employees because of pressures from the union. Again, that's not a bad thing necessarily. But um, more than 15, this is from uh, uh, PockyGamer.biz, more than 1,500 people have lost their jobs in the game industry in uh, three months. Now, what's interesting here is that this was by April 2019, 1,500 people had lost their jobs in the game industry. But in 2018, the total number for all of 2018 was 1,400. So we've already had more job losses in all of 20. 20- uh, 19 so far just actually just in the first three months yeah then in all of 2018 and why is this happening because of the layoffs in 2018 798 of those job losses were because studio closures the remainder were from uh were from layoffs but in 2019 only 13 of those jobs were lost because of studio closure that means 1487 were from layoffs so these companies did just one studio closed and they had yeah, one studio closed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. So basically, what I think is the takeaway from there is that we're at a period right now where companies are not in what they consider to be a financially comfortable situation for themselves. Whether we think so or not is a different story. They're acting in a way that says they're not comfortable with the current situation. And you're seeing this as well with they don't just charge 60 bucks for games anymore. They have loot boxes. They have microtransactions. because all these other ways of getting money into the company because they need that extra money because the games have gotten more expensive to make. So if you put the pressure of unionization on these companies right now, at least, I think it could be really bad for the workers. You might have to reduce the number of employees they have. It would then mean games take even longer to make. And it might also mean that games are more expensive and we have more microtransactions and more loot boxes, which... I don't think anyone wants those things. To play devil's advocate. Yes. Um, we both did just say, you take the extra time. I don't need the game right now. And that's where we're going to go to the next part. Because I completely agree with you. And I think that's the solution. That's kind of what we're seeing. Well, uh, with with... In response to crunch time. this yeah. All the, the layoffs is not happening in response to crunch time. That's just different stuff altogether. My point there is is that if they're feeling this financial pressure, they're going to feel even more financial pressure if we um, uh, unionize the industry, essentially. But in terms of responding to crunch time, they are taking that approach, it seems. At least the companies that I'm going to anecdotally right. talk about right now are taking that approach of, hey, let's delay this game so here are some prominent companies that this year have said hey we are delaying this content or we're going to make less content specifically citing work-life balance for the employees so one starts off with nintendo so nintendo delayed animal crossing and again they cited crunch in and um and work-life balance so i'm going to read the quote from doug bowser he says the crunch point is an interesting one. For us, one of our key tenets is that we bring smiles to people's faces. We talk about that all the time. It's our vision, our mission, I should say. For us, that applies to our employees. We need to make sure that that applies to our employees. We need to make sure that our employees have good work-life balance. One of those examples is that we will not bring a game to the market before it's ready. We talked about one example, Animal Crossing. It's really important that we have the balance in our world. It's actually something we're proud of. 
Uh, Reggie fils in an interview from 2018, kind of built off that idea saying, we, f- we flex through the use of contract employees. We flex in the way that we work with our agency partners. Our mentality is we're going to flex by adding headcount as appropriate to help get over crunch. That's the way we approach it. So there's delaying games. There's also contract work to um, to add to headcounts, which, again, that company that they're partnering with has to be good about crunch themselves in order for that to really matter but it is an approach and if the industry takes a serious uh, approach to this it could be beneficial doug bowser finishes off that um, interview during e3 that says to your point the community obviously has uh, is passionate and vocal but we also need to make sure that as an industry we're having those conversations so basically nintendo's take is just we're going to talk about it we're going to be open about it we're going to lead by example we're not going to have ridiculous you know uh work requirements Another one is Respawn. So they had said something very, very similar um, in regards to Apex Legends. Uh, Drew uh, McCoy of Respawn uh, at EA doesn't want to release so many features that the team has to react to crunch, and they doesn't want the team to get burnt out. This means Apex Legend updates will come in the form of large, meaningful releases as opposed to constant tweaks. So again, they're delaying because... And not really so much content because they want to have a healthy work-life balance. And then lastly, we have CD Projekt Red, who... Well, not lastly, second to last. Um, CD Projekt Red, who was notable for having some bad crunch during The Witcher 3. And they've been working very hard to stop that. So originally, there were rumors that Cyberpunk 2077 was going to be coming out in 2019. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. And Marcy Nowinski, um, who works at CG Project Red, said that there's no mandatory pressure for overtime. We can never be 200% sure that there won't be some pressure, but it's actually our management to, um, it's actually on our management to make sure people are okay with that. And so far, so good. Um, devs were given more time to work specifically to avoid the crunch, is what he added. Because we've been working towards, um, blah, sorry. Uh, he goes on to talk about the non-obligatory uh, crunch policy. He says, we've been working toward it for some time already. Sometimes harder, um, harder work will need to be done. Example in the, 2000, blah, the 2018 E3 demo. But if they need to take time off, they can take time off. Nobody will be frowned upon um, if this will be requested. They want this policy to be public in order um, for employees to hold management accountable um, for that. So those are three prominent companies that are making attempts for this. But I want to call out Bungie here because they didn't just make an attempt at it. They've done it. Um, they don't have crunch at Bungie. They've actually been working for the past 13 years since Halo 2 to prevent this from happening. I think this stuff is really fascinating. Um, so they say that Halo 2 was had brutal crunch time. For 18 months, everyone was working at least 50 hours a week or more. Um, Bungie has taken a people has taken people management more seriously. People management is more important than just one extra feature. With Halo Three, management started having mandatory weekly one on ones with their staff, and the transparency though between the staff and the management apparently was still a concern um, between for for the employees. So they worked on that for their next game. And they said by the time that we got to Destiny, the original one, that was the last game that they had any sort of department-wide crunch for. Their new goal was to have complete honesty and transparency between management and staff, and that was actually successful. They said it took time to build that. It took 13 years to to get to this point, but they were able to do it. And it just kind of happened through constructive conversation and trusting each other within the company and saying, hey, we need to trust your opinion on what a reasonable goal is going to be when we're 
you know, planning out the next game, and it's when it's worked for them. So Disney will actually be our fifth release. We've done all those DLCs with no full enforced crunch. We're very proud of that. It took us a long time to get there from the Halo 2 days. This approach helped curb the crunch you have to do as well as the crunch you want to do. So they don't even really have people staying late on their own because it's like, hey, get some sleep. You'll be better at this tomorrow. Just come back, and it'll be happy. It'll be nice. So it's possible. It's totally possible to do this just through the tools that already exist. And again, if you look at 2014 to 20, uh, sorry, 2004 to 2014, the trends have been going down. We're still waiting on the 2019 survey to see if that's continued. 2015, 2016, it was kind of stagnant, but 2017, it went down again. So the industry's on a good turn on this. It is possible, yes. It is possible, yes. It took 13 years for one large studio out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to maintain <laughs> a successful... Uh, but it sounds like they took it more culture. seriously than other companies right. did. And I feel like this pressure... I mean, the unionization conversation is really good because I think it's putting pressure on these companies to actually do something about it. And that's why I mentioned uh, like CD Projekt Red, for example, and, and Respawn, because they are taking it seriously. They want to make that work-life balance possible. Yeah. I think that is definitely possible, and we are seeing some forward movement on it. And it, it can be something that we can self-regulate, similar to the ERC, mm-hmm. ESRB coming in yeah. and saying, hey, we don't need government legislation for people who don't understand it. We'll do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is an option as long as everyone's on, go- on board, and it has to be a legit culture shift. Like I think yes. that's, that's the biggest thing in game development. It has to be a culture shift away from crunch. And mm-hmm. there are so many different people and so many different hands that have to be on board that I don't know if it's possible on a reasonable timeline. Even Bungie doing it in 13 years doesn't mean that every company can even do it in 13 years or can even do mm-hmm. it at all. But because Bungie has done it, they yeah. can be share their experiences of, hey, this is what worked here, the best practices. Yeah. They've paved the road. So, I mean, yeah, 13 years was long for them to figure it out. It has been figured out. And it's different from company to company, of course. Right. But if they're vocal and can talk to other companies about how they did it, I, I think it's totally achievable. Yeah. In an idealistic world. I, however, but, but, don't but no, think but, that, that they can communicate it or necessarily like every studio will listen or is looking for that kind of thing because Mm -hmm. while we want to believe that every single studio out there is like oh yeah we're gonna avoid crunch and we want our employees to be the happiest possible there are there are bad companies out there there are bad studios out there who will just like if you don't work 100 hour fucking work weeks don't tell the press about it but you you can just leave naughty dog nor the initiative (laughs) yeah you can just uh, the the problem is you can't just go to another studio you there's lots of competition in the space um so I do think that I obviously there's no solution to it, but I think that there should be some kind of ultimatum like there was with ESRB. Like if you guys don't do something about it, then we're going to have to step in and maybe like three years from now, if things haven't changed, then we have to mm-hmm. put in some kind of protections in there, whether it's yeah, legislation but it has or changed. union. It's gotten, it's gotten better over the past 15 years. Well, not enough, better the past 14 though. years, not enough though. There I think you're people... underestimating a drop from 67% to 36% in 10 years. That's crazy. That's but a huge But we still have people working 24-hour shifts and doing 100-hour work weeks for eight months on Uncharted it's gonna 4. It's going to take – yeah, it's going to be squeezed out over time. And again, they've been outed now, so they're going to have to respond to it. How long do we have to and wait, And this is what though? I mean by like the worker's voice is through these gaming outlets – 
video game uh, news outlets releasing stories like this. Like Jason Strider's the best thing that ever happened to this conversation. He's released almost all of these stories. But how long and, do we have to wait for for people to finally get proper treatment in the workplace? Like, is it worth waiting twenty or thirty years for but, everyone to finally but get it's on not, board and be perfect? But I, it's not like a union's going to come in there and then all of a sudden, because a union exists, it gets better. But there will be protections in place. There will be guaranteed health insurance. There will be uh, like legal. I'm sure they have legal. health insurance already. No, I'd but, be very surprised. But as a contractor, if you if you leave a job or something like that, I can only yeah. speak to this with experience from my from the Actors Equity Union. Where yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're not in a role and you're not currently working, you still mm-hmm. have health insurance for an entire year between jobs just as a protection measure as part of the union. And in an industry where you might not work with, traditionally with the same studio for your whole life, you might be jumping as a designer or something like that between studio to studio. Those kind of protections are important. You can't just mm-hmm. have, oh, I'm going to have insurance for a good eight months while I help out on crunch on this game. And then I'll be unemployed for a few months and be at the mercy of Mother Nature and my own clumsiness and then i have health insurance for a couple more months no there's there's got to be some kind of protections in there and guaranteed working conditions and guaranteed like hours like mandatory breaks every hour and a half every two hours you have to legally have a 30 minute work or a lunch break things like that i think are protections that everyone should have and i think that if we aren't building a culture and I, i i honestly don't think it's possible to build it fast enough and it's not worth the suffering of a lot of people to not have something in place. And I think if we can't self-regulate within a few years that unions or legislation have to be in the conversation. Okay. I totally hear you out. And I'll definitely hand it to you that contract work is different than full-time employment. Yeah. That's one thing that's going to separate you know, the video game industry from, say, you know, the movie or, or theater is that theater and movies is basically all contract work. Uh, there's so much contract work, though, in games. Can you think about, like developing all of the trees and the assets they're not going to do all that with their in-house artists they're going to be focused on character models and things like that but the environments all of these things they're going to farm out to contractors Mm -hmm. so my point still though is that these unions exist as a voice to have a voice for the worker so the worker can communicate with the management staff Bungie's showing that that can just exist through natural conversation anyway well the the voice also has power legally whereas Mm -hmm. IGN and Kotaku don't have legal power over saying, hey, you can't treat this person that way. Mm-hmm. But again, this is, industry is incredibly responsive to the community itself. I mean, think about any huge any huge scandal that has come across in the past five years, all of which the company's turned back on. I mean, even going to like Battlefront 2, I know that's not related to un- uh, unions at all, but Battlefront 2 and all the issues of, of microtransactions and, and how terrible that was, they responded instantly. Because if people in the video game industry speak out about these issues, which they are in this case, yeah. it puts a pressure that they have to respond to. I agree. They're very, and, they're very adaptive and reflexive company or uh, industry. Yeah. How many people though? Think, how many how many companies do we have to? How many companies are out there that we don't know about that could mm-hmm. be protected by these unions and this legisla- legislation? Yeah. That just like that could go under the radar forever, mm-hmm. and we never call out. And then being never called out, they don't have to change. They'll get called out <laughs> because That's if they the if they will because if if there's a, a story from like this Naughty Dog story, this is going to become a conversation. This is going to pressure Naughty Dog to do something. That's going to inspire someone to say, "Hey, I'm working at this outlet. This is fucking shitty. What's happening to me? I'm going to reach out too." Unless they it have exists, some kind that, of repercussion that comes for that too. 
I'm just saying well, it's anonymous. It's, it's anonymous. It's, yeah, but uh, there's never been a name ever released for these people coming out. But there, it's always been anonymous. there are there are ways that people can trace things back. But what I'm saying is, it's it's so difficult yeah. for me to want to rely on the good nature and goodwill of these companies and people mm-hmm. to hopefully and idealistically have something in place that we'd come to an agreement ourselves in some grand utopia. When I when I see how, but long the numbers are already showing that we're heading in that direction. Is my point? Though. Not fast enough, though. That's a really fast change to have that have that wide of a scope of an issue go down that much is a big change. But it's kind of like I don't think that should be underestimated, hey, and I don't think unions necessarily would speed it up because it still has to happen through conversation anyway. But it's, it's kind of like if if there's genocide. In Africa, this is exactly the same situation. Genocide exactly in Africa. The same. And you're like, exactly but listen, the they killed only 200,000 people instead of 400,000 people this year. Isn't that great? <laughs> well, no, it's not good enough. It's not fast enough for us to get to zero. There's got to be protection. It is an extreme example, but it's for <laughs> purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not fast enough for what they're having to endure, I yeah. think, personally. I do think the unionization conversation itself is putting pressure on these companies to do something. And that's yeah. good. I agree it is yeah. good. And I think the other concern, too, is just games getting more expensive. I think we've I think shown it's... that that's not really a concern anymore for us as a consumer, at least in in the conversations and, and things that I've In what way is not a concern? That we are willing to pay 60 bucks for a game and then continue to pay for a season pass or a, mm-hmm. a battle pass or buy yeah, but transactions that's... for skins and things like that. Like, I feel like we're we're willing and used to paying more than sixty dollars. But it would game. get worse. Is my point? I think that, it would that would get worse. It'd be more microtransactions. It might, it might cost seventy, eighty dollars for a game now. And Who I knows? think we're okay with that as a society. But there are market repercussions for things like that. Some people don't buy the sixty dollars games as often because that's a lot of money for them. Yeah. And it makes puts it out of reach for them that much more. Yeah, that's the other price point was picked because it it for the companies was able to bring in the most money for them, and obviously still not the case because they have to do the microtransactions, the loot boxes, all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, they would have just increased the price to eighty dollars to begin with. I don't know if they'd increase it eighty dollars just to begin with, but uh, but I think we're we're showing that we're willing to spend more, and that quite frankly, we should be spending more. Uh, yeah, because sixty dollars is stupid cheap compared to what it used to be a long time ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think people are, are used to spending more money and I think it's becoming standard. And I don't think, honestly, if someone released a game for 80 bucks nowadays, I don't think anyone would bat an eye. It would be a headline oh. like, blah, blah, so-and-so is releasing a game for 80 I mean, bucks, would still but I think buy... it would still sell like gangbusters. I think really passionate people would. If the next sure. Grand Theft Auto was an $80 game, you best bet mm. it'd still be the best-selling game of all time. We'll see. We will see. And I'm curious to see how these trends continue in in uh, September when the 2019 survey comes out as well. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and the other point I want to mention, too, though, is that going back to what I was kind of saying earlier is we don't really know to the extent of how much better it's gotten in terms of the duration of crunch and all that as well because that's data not being looked at anymore. I don't know why it's not being looked at, but it's not. And I think that stuff is also relevant to the conversation. If Because if, the only thing it's saying is, is that developers – our work in crunch or not does not say to what extent, if it's gone down or not. I mean, look at the Bungie story for 13 years. They had to work it down to nothing. It didn't just happen overnight. But I think we, I think both of our points have been made. Yeah. 
I don't think we're... Interesting discussion, Holden. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to the table. Guess who else brought us a discussion to the table? Dallas. Dallas. Dallas at Heel Smitty, although you were at Hell Smitty. I kind of like that. Oh, did I write Hell Smitty back? Let's call him Hell Smitty for now. The Hellion, (laughs) Dallas. Uh, Oops. I'm choosing right now. He's not Hell. He's Heaven. Aww. Wrote in for a subscriber interrogative, which you guys can do as well. And that's a fancy way of just saying, like, listener question. So Ryan's subscriber interrogative. He says, would you be willing to pay a small fee, say $5 or less, to purchase a digital download code for physical games you already own? If so, what would be the most you'd be willing to pay? Sweet. Hashtag Chad come to Rhode Island. More and more, I'm thinking of ways I can get to Rhode Island and win. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. You hear that, everyone? He said he's definitely coming next week. I am definitely coming next week if you're listening to this in a week that happens to be a week prior to when I arrive. (laughs) So, Chad, what would you be willing to pay for a digital download code of physical game you already have? I love this idea. Yes. The answer is yes. How much (laughs) would I pay? Yes. (laughs) I think 10, 15 bucks would be like the high end. I wouldn't want to pay more than that. Um, so there's precedent to this. There's when the PSP Go launched in Europe, you could bring in your UMDs and convert them at GameStop or whatever GameStop is of it, Game or EB Games or whatever it was over there at the time. Uh, you could bring them in and get digital versions of these, and that was not something that was available in the U.S. for some kind of copyright or license or something reasons. So it is a program that existed for PSP. It's also something you can currently do for movies. If you have a Blu-ray or a DVD, you can bring it into a Walmart and pay like $3 for an HD version, $5 for a, or for a 4K version. And I would, first of all, we all know I'm on that digital train. Toot, toot. I fucking love it. Yeah, I think Daniel Regera asked us about buying uh, digital or physical for Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> Both of us like, digital. Um, digital. You idiot. <laughs> but- what is, I think I told him to ride his dinosaur to GameStop and buy it <laughs> <Yes>. physically. <laughs> then there were a lot of dinosaur jokes because we're so funny. Lots of times. <laughs> um, yeah, I would absolutely do it. And here's the thing. I don't have a lot of physical games already. I have like two. I have that Dying Light game that we bought used at GameStop as our first like, <laughs> this is going to be our game collection that we have for Respawn Empire. And then I have, have one game. <laughs> I have one game. And I have two years. Point. A lot to show for it. Farpoint I have physical because it came with the the sharpshooter. Not the sharpshooter. What's it called? Mm-hmm. PlayStation Aim Controller. And I honestly, yeah, $5. Here's the thing. If I could just surrender the physical game and pay 5 bucks, I'd be down for it. If I were keeping the physical game, I would do... I, I, I don't know. I feel like it has to scale with with the game, like how long the game's been out? Yeah, so like Spider Man's now forty bucks. It's not sixty bucks anymore. Yeah, it's so weird because games depreciate in value, unlike music and movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, movies eventually will go down, but there's there's still like a threshold that they don't really dip below. Whereas games, you can find them sometimes for two ninety nine at GameStop. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess that cha- that fee would have to change. Over time, I'd imagine any program like this would exist with you t- physically turning in the game. That way, you can't just go back to GameStop in one location, 
turn it in and then go somewhere else and give your friend a digital code for that same game for five dollars well the way it works at like walmart is when you go to give you your dvd or your blu-ray and they give you the digital copy they put like this seal on the disc so you can only do it one time per disc okay that way they know that's a good idea too i also feel like uh gamestop would never allow this like yes you can you know please put use more digital out of business yeah, let, let's help you go to digital. Yeah, you just said it. So I don't think they'd do that. I think a Best Buy might be more willing to do it because they really make their money on tons of other things, not just video games. GameStop will never do it. I'm on board with this, though, because I... So I have a physical copy of Breath of the Wild and I have a physical copy of Mario Odyssey for my Switch. And there have been so many times where I just said, Mario Odyssey's on sale right now. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'll just buy it digitally so I can just have it digitally. Then I mean, hold this is a stupid purchase. Don't do it. It's a really dumb Worth purchase. It. It's not though. So I, I haven't done that, but I've been compelled to. But I would do I would easily spend a full game's worth of money on all the games that I have to convert them to digital. Save for one because you got to keep one in that card slot. Yep, and same with Breath of the Wild because that's how I roll. Do you keep a disc in your Blu-ray drive too? No. I do have No Man's Sky, but I don't keep it in there. Nice. Cool. Thanks, Dallas. Wait, what did we decide we were going to call him? Hellsman. Hell- Hellion. Hellion. Hellion? <laughs> Thanks, Hellion. <laughs> Finally, we're going to get to our game on game show. The game on our game show. We play game on the game show. Or the game, 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 game. Just kidding. <laughs> so I was going to say, I thought you didn't. Don't have a game. Here's a game. Go outside and kiss your pet cat on the asshole and see if you can try not to get arrested. That's our game this week. <laughs> Next, we're going to talk about our Barf game of the month and we're going to wrap up. Barf is Doom. You can pick up Doom 2016 for like no money yeah. anywhere, basically, except for on Switch. It's so good. I can't wait to try to play get it. it. Just realized how many first-person shooters I've played this year, and I'm not a big first-person yeah, shooter right? fan, but I've been having fun playing them. Yep. Yep. And Doom is a very good one. It's yeah. fucking awesome. I'm pumped to play it. It's dope. Uh, we'll be playing on PS4. I assume maybe we'll try the multiplayer one week of mm-hmm. August at least. And then if we fucking love it, maybe we'll continue, but we might play some other <laughs> stuff too. Speaking of, if you'd like to play with us every if you would like to play with us every week, get a cool new wallpaper every month, which will be coming out tomorrow night. I've and, seen it. Uh, it's great. I have them all. I just got to take a picture of it and upload it to the Patreon. And have a say in what we play. Support us in Patreon. Patreon.com slash Respawn Aimfire. Only one tier. Only one dollar. You can get a McRib for more than that, and it's not as good. <laughs> I don't know why that's relevant. <laughs> but if that's too McRibs cool. are pretty great. I don't know. I like, I like our Patreon. Are but they? I've McRibs never had are McRib. pretty good. Yeah, they're know. pretty good. It just they're looks like cancer. I mean, it's McDonald's, so it probably <laughs> is cancer, but it's pretty good. Feel free to follow us and share your thoughts at Responding Fire on Twitter or respondingfire at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. We love you. And now, for our usual sign-off, I'm going to pee so bad.